We're on the air. <laughs> are, are, are you live? We are live to my phone. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, Covenant. Covenant, what are we, two? Good night, guys. Thanks again. Good night. Sorry, Covenant three, right? Two? two? Okay, I got a typo on mine. There we go. Good. <laughs> um, you guys did an awesome review. We'll, we'll... Shut it. Can you not rock as much? You're going to distract Daddy. <laughs> For everyone who's listening on a podcast, we're doing this one in my home. And uh, my son is here. So, yeah, we're kind of just bridging the gap right now between their, na- their name changes. So we know that their names went from Ab- Abram to Abraham, Sarah to Sarai. Uh, let's just read in Genesis 17, uh, 1 to 5, uh, really quick. Just Again, we, we go to the authority, right? I'm not the authority. The word is the authority. Um, so Genesis chapter 17, verses uh, 1 to 5, kind of a quick recap and Get us planted with where we're going a bit. So it says, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Serve me faithfully and live a blameless life. I'll make a covenant with you by which I'll guarantee to give you countless descendants. At this time, Abram fell face down on the ground. Then God said to him, This is my covenant with you. I'll make you the father of a multitude of nations. What's more, I am changing your name. It will no longer be Abram. Instead, you will be called Abraham, for you will be the father of many nations. And, uh, and then for Sarai, go down to verse 17. And Abram bowed down to the ground, but he laughed to himself in disbelief. How could I become a father at such an age of 100, he thought. And how can Sarah have a baby when she is 99? But I missed the naming right there. It's just a little bit poor. Sorry, I meant to say 15, 17, 15. Then God said to Abraham, regarding Sarai, I know, we're just going to ignore it. Regarding Sarai, your wife, her name will no longer be Sarai. From now on, her name will be Sarah. 17, 15. So God's word, there we have it. Abram became Abraham and Sarai became Sarah. That's another aspect when you're, when you're teaching, like, it's easy to kind of just, and I know I've been caught a little bit doing it when you're like, you know, it does say this later in the word, but it's always good to make sure you're bringing people back to the word, bringing people saying, this isn't me saying this, this is God's word saying this. You know, you don't want to ever build yourself up as the authoritative figure uh, with whoever you're teaching, whether it's an individual or a group, God's word is the, author- is the authority. Um, so what did we just read here? Why did, why did God change Abram's name to Abraham? What did it say there in the first chunk that we read? Yeah, I think so. For you will be the father of many nations, it says in that same paragraph. Um, it kind of caught me today that this is another instance. We, we have this reoccurring theme where um, when it's something within sinful man, it, it, it is inadequate or it, it comes to a dead end. Like you think of Adam and Eve uh, with the fig leaves that was inadequate. God provided them with an adequate covering. Um, and here, Abram was a name that he was given by another human, 
And then God, God says, I am changing your name. God changed his name. So it's something from outside of Adam, Abram, sorry. Uh, just an interesting point. I'm not going to build a sermon off of that, but just it's interesting that God initiated it. It was from God and same with Sarai to Sarah. So here they are, 99 for Abram, Abraham and 90 for Sarah, and they still had no children. Um, at this point in time, they know they're going to be the father and mother of many nations, and, uh, and God just confirms it in these passages. It's important for us today that Abraham, because Abraham and Sarah are the ancestors of the coming deliverer, and that's there in the line as we we're sharing the story of the deliverer who came to set us free. You need a There's a Kleenex behind you if you need a Kleenex, Hudson. Um, so we'll continue in the Word just to see the power of God in this section of history. We're going to see how nothing's impossible with people this, this age, with a promise that seems impossible, and, and yet God will reveal many truths to us tonight. So the main hook, the primary hook for tonight is that God tests and provides. Um, there'll be a few other truths embedded here. Um, Abraham chooses to obey. God provides an acceptable substitute. And we'll finish off with the substitute and how that relates to the deliverer. So the first one. Uh, I could have put that up for us there. So that's our hook and a few points that we'll, we'll draw out through the scriptures tonight. So Genesis 21, 1 to 3. If you don't have your Bibles, it's up here. I encourage you guys to be bringing your Bibles. So we have a nice picture here of gray-haired Sarah and gray-haired Abraham and holding the baby. Maybe that's grandma and grandpa or I don't know. What is that? Hey, <laughs> Grandpa's got to put his glasses on. No, just kidding. <laughs> Let's, uh, who could read for me Genesis uh, 21, 1 to 3, either from the TV or from your Bibles? Yeah, please. That'd be great, Emil. From the schooner? Sure. Okay. And the Lord was gracious to Sarah, as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah what he had promised. Sarah became pregnant and bore a son to Abraham in his old age. At the very time God had promised him, Abraham gave the name Isaac to the son Sarah born. To the son Sarah bore him, yeah. Yeah. So in these verses, how did God demonstrate his faithfulness in keeping his promises? That's right, yeah. Yeah. He had promised it. We're our hook last week. He's faithful to his promises. Um, and how about that he's the author of life? You guys see, can you see that hook kind of drawn out from here? It's not as like overt, but when you think of it, here we, (laughs) right, yeah, exactly. Things, yeah, everything was over, humanly speaking, and God determined otherwise. Um, Let's read uh, another verse in the New Testament, actually, it'll be uh, Hebrews 11, um, 11 and 12. It's not that one. We will. We'll get there. Hebrews 11, uh, 11 and 12. 
So just to shed a little light on Sarah and her faith and uh, acknowledging that even though it wasn't perfect, where she was placing her faith was in a perfect God. So it says here in verse 11, It was by faith that even Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead, a nation with so many people that, like the stars in the sky and the sand on the seashore, there is no way to count them. Okay, you gotta go to bed. Night night, buddy. NLT. His uh, window's open and he needs a diaper. And he needs a change. That's gonna sound funny on the podcast. <laughs> he, need, he needs a diaper still. <laughs> that's my little child um so how did sarah what we just read here how did sarah respond what's that middle middle bit we said there how did she respond in faith Yeah, she believed. Totally. And I mean, right before that saying, though she was barren, she was too old. I mean, I'm I'm sure she would have acknowledged that, right? That Mm -hmm. I'm unable. (laughs) I'm too old. I can't. I mean, I think that's what all of her faith is telling us as she believed in the promise, Mm -hmm. is that she's admitting her own inability to conceive on her own because she was beyond child-rearing years or child-bearing years. Um. She recognized God to be faithful as he promised. And uh, in other words, I think she acknowledged the absoluteness of who God was, the author of life, the keeper of promises, uh, the faithful one, and, uh, and the ruler amongst it all. Um, I mean, try and, try and take yourself and put yourself into Abraham and Sarah's shoes. <laughs> You're old. You've been given this promise. <laughs> Okay, all right. You're not even as old as they are, though. I know that. Um, I mean, you think of how much, in a sense, faith was required of them. You're promised. Okay, Judy, you're promised. You're going to have a baby. And how many years did they have to stand on that promise? It was like, I believe it was like 25 years. You know, it was no short haul. And so how many of us waffle after, uh, you know, a week of praying for something that hasn't come about? (laughs) Um. I mean, I think, like, in that time frame, yeah, roughly 25 years, they continued by faith um, of this promised child from God. And, uh, and the whole time, you think of that era, especially living in, in the reality of being barren, wasn't a small weight to carry around. Um, I think it might not be an overstatement to say it was a bit of a shameful thing to have no children. I'm sure it was also a fearful thing. I mean, children sort of were your... Uh, your uh, social security, <laughs> yeah, your old age security, exactly. Um, and, and I mean, likely, too, they would have continued to have even sexual relations all those years by faith, right? Like, that would have even been a component of it. It's like, well, we're doing, what, we're doing our part, literally, and, and nothing's coming about. And yet, by faith, they continued even forward in intimacy. Um, yeah, so yeah, 25 years they stood on that promise, waiting, expecting, longing, um, before Isaac was given to them. God speaks again to Abraham in, in Genesis 22. 
and uh, Isaac's come about. Um, he's now in about his mid-20s, according to Jewish historians. I don't know if you guys have ever heard anything like that. Um, and so let's go to Genesis uh, chapter 22. I'll read the first uh, couple of verses there. Somebody want to read that for us? We usually have NIV on our slides. Okay. I've picked up an NLT uh, because some of our consultants with Ethnos say for English it's actually like the most, uh, it's readability level. Okay. It's like kind of most uh, broad for people. So, sorry if that's confusing. Well, it was, uh, was a little because uh, Hebrews 11, 11 in mind talked about Abraham, not Sarah. It talked about Sarah too. Both, yeah. I think it did, yeah. Yeah, it did. That I missed? Did it? Was I have a typo there? Uh, there's a footnote that talked to, uh, that it could be Sarah, but uh, oh, I wonder if does somebody have the ESV. Yeah, oh, you have an ESV? No, I, I was wondering what the ESV would say. Just get back on track. Yeah, we can back up. It's, that's all good. Oh. <coughs> Sorry. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. He said to him, Abraham, here I am, he replied. And God said, take your son, your only son, whom you love, Isaac. And go to the region of Moriah, sacrifice him there as the burnt offering on a mountain. I will show you. Hmm. Okay. So what was what was he just told? <clears throat> take his son. Take his son. Yeah. To go to the region of Moriah to offer a sacrifice. I remember. I'll never forget. I used to fight uh, wildfire for uh, Alberta Sustainable Resources, and uh, one of our helicopter pilots once. He's like. I was witnessing to him and trying to show him the truth. And he's like, I, I can't. He's like, I picked up the Bible and I got to Genesis 22. He's like, that is sick. He's like, I just, you know, us Christians, we dull to this a bit. You know, we do. Um, he's like, how? Because he, he was, I don't know, he was a little bit up in age and he had just one daughter. He kind of met and married later in life or whatever. And so I think he was just almost imagining himself as Abraham, of course. And he's just like, I don't get it. Like, I don't get what kind of sick, twisted God would uh, call you to do something like that. I mean, he was looking at it as an ice. I mean, he was reading from start through, but uh, I think by his own, with his own eyes, with his own lens, and he wasn't understanding the whole of God up to this point of that God is trustworthy, that God uh, is good. God is gracious. And again, it's, it's another plug for, for being also not just re reading the Bible in a certain way, like starting in Genesis, but also having it unpacked with somebody who can help you with the scriptures. And, um, because, yeah, again, it, if you just look at the scripture right there, like, who would ask you to do something like that? Like, you guys worship this God? It's like, well, let me, let me tell you about how abundant and how he, he intended it for it to be so perfect and good in the garden. And, and you walk forward to this point, and now as we'll unpack more as we go along in this lesson tonight, you'll see why Abraham had good reason to obey and trust. And not take your son, your only son, who right. loved Isaac. Yeah. We know that there was another son there. There's an overlap, right. From Abraham, not from Sarah, though. Right, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's being acknowledged, not Ishmael, but Isaac, yeah. Totally. 
Why do you think God was asking Abraham to do this? Well, the thing that the, our, our hook is that he starts t- testing mm-hmm. his faith. His faith? I was going to ask him, what, what aspect of Abraham do you think he was testing? <laughs> his faith, you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. Yeah. I mean, who did he love more? Who did he want to sort of please or obey? God or his son Isaac and his desires, his limited sight. Remember the chart of God and mankind, how God is all seeing and man is so limited in comparison. God saw everything that was happening here. Abraham was just with what he knew, right? He didn't, again, he didn't have much more here in the scriptures or knowledge or anything really like he he was just going on what he'd been told um and i'm sure this would have tested isaac and sarah sarah's like uh our god told you what our only son the promised son And God didn't offer the explanation. You know, apparently like us millennials and Gen X people, we can be told to do anything, but we need to know why. (laughs) But here God's just saying, do it. And of course, at this point in time, Abraham knows that God has been faithful all along. Um, And Abraham was just told to go. So I I can imagine how, humanly speaking, this would be very confusing and devastating. Um, After waiting so long, 25 years, standing on this hope, but a promise from God, this, this covenant-keeping God, he would tell them to sacrifice Isaac, the son of laughter. It doesn't sound like joy-filled now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm imagining what a massive test of faith. What a massive test of obedience. Um, what right did, did God have to demand this of him? What do we know to be true of God? Test them or something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, what, what gave God the right to test him on such a level? I don't know. I'm not sure. He has every right. Maybe just to have, to have faith maybe in God, for, for Abraham to have faith in God maybe? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but what right did he have? What right? So you started to say something? Well, as their creator, he had every right to make this demand. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It goes back to, you know, if I... I bought this wood and I nailed this together and you wanted to take it for one day your grandkids you'd have to ask me can I borrow that they're coming up but if I wanted to use it for my kids do I need to ask anybody here permission to use this chair no I'm going to take it and use it for my kids just like God he's the owner and ruler of life he's the author of life and so with Abraham he had no need to to ask his permission he created Abraham Abraham was his He's the absolute owner, he's the final ruler, and he's the sole source of life. So yeah, not only Abraham, but Isaac and Sarah, they, they, they existed for God. And this is, again, this is a hard, hard thing for us today, right? To think that we were created, we're exi- we exist, not for ourselves, not humanism, but to, for the one who, who rightfully owns us even though most are in rebellion to that ownership. So he would love, he loved Isaac, he loved God. Their only heir, Isaac was, the one they'd waited for, the son of promise. And yet he, he ends up, we'll read this here, moving forward with confidence. 
Abraham knew he could have confidence in God. He moved forward, um, not only uh, physically, but in his heart, I believe. He put into action what he already believed by, by stepping out, that he could trust God. Um, let's, let's just con- keep digging deeper here. So, remember our, our sin debt ropes that we've been toting around, and I don't have all of them up here behind me. I don't have them all displayed. I've got the little eternity chart here. Um, so, I, Abraham, Sarah, Lot, and Isaac would be here, right about here between the 2000 and 1500. But um, I just wanted to ask you guys, since, since uh, Isaac's parents were righteous and they were walking in obedience to God, um, Isaac was likely born in a right relationship with God as well from the get-go. So explain, explain that to me. Why wouldn't he be? I mean, his parents were righteous. If they were both righteous, like two positives, it makes a positive, doesn't it? <laughs> Becky's trying not to laugh too hard. <laughs> Un- unpack that truth, that lie for me. <laughs> you would have inherited the sin nature or sin debt that uh, we all inherit through being descendants of Adam. Right, yeah, exactly. I don't yeah, think faith is ever talked about as something that's passed on. <laughs> right. In the same way as sin. I just want to drive that home because a lot of people think differently. They, they, they rest on their own thinking and not on the authority of the word. Yeah, so exactly. I know it's redundant with you guys, but it's just, a, it's just showing the pattern to repeat it with, with people who may not get that. They may get it intellectually early on with Cain and Abel, but they, at this point they may have kind of loosened up on that a bit. Um, so yeah, no, he was a descendant of Adam, born with a sin debt. So that marks his, his first knot. And that's a record against the Holy God. And so any sin that he committed was another knot in the rope, was another sin and strike against God, first and foremost. And each person stands before God on their own, not behind a parent, not behind anybody godly in their life. Um, So yeah, Abraham, in the same way, he too needed to respond um, in repentance and faith. And I was going to show... I need to get those nice little sticky sign here kind of things. That would be really handy for uh, marking my pages out fast. So yeah, in the same way, um, Isaac needed to, to ha- display repentance and, and a belief in, uh, in the coming deliverer. So acknowledging that God is holy and we must be as holy as he is, which we are unable to do of our own uh, volition. Admitting that our sin, Isaac's sin, is against holy God and, and he's helplessly, hopelessly lost. Uh, that Isaac you know, would need to reject his own way and embrace only God's way, which is by faith, uh, to make us holy, to make him holy. And then also he would have to be trusting in God's deliverer, the one and only, to make him holy as God is holy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 8 o'clock. So it's a no for that question. Was Isaac's parents were righteous? That's right. And the answer is no. That's right. Because all our sins, right? Right, yeah. And fall short of glory and God, yeah. So I'm just going to hang this here to represent Isaac, and then we'll put that on our big one for next week. <clears throat> so even though this was, um, this is where we're at in the story, that he was told to, 
sacrifice his son as a burnt offering, as it says in verse uh, 2 of chapter 22 in Genesis. Um, God's promise to Abraham and that covenant was still going to carry on through Isaac somehow. So Isaac, he is the son of promise for each one of us here as well. At this point in time, he is the son of promise for each one of us here. The deliverer that we, need to deal, that we would need to deal with our sin, uh, with Satan, with lake of fire that we are all deserving of, would come through Isaac. You guys tracking, tracking that lineage? Um, so yeah, so God here is not only asking Abraham to sacrifice his son, but the line of deliverer for, for our deliverer as well. Um, so we were dependent on Abraham's obedi- obedience, even though we weren't a thought at that point in time to, uh, to any human. So, I mean, if Isaac died, where would our hope of deliverance be? I know, I, I know I'm dancing on God's sovereignty here, but I'm just, again, just to put yourself in the turmoil that I'm sure Abraham might have had. Andrew, you got, you got to inhale there. I heard it. Okay. the fellow on the uh, helicopter yeah, yeah. And you know, like he—he's—it's he, not a crazy thought because you know God's law seems to contradict what He's saying to do to Isaac. And in fact, the most sinful thing that a group of people can do is sacrifice their children. Like it was the sin of Molech, or right. the, the worst possible thing that you can do. So I think if you didn't see that God never intended for him to actually kill his son, it would sure seem pretty awful, wouldn't it? Oh, for so sure. If you, if, if you don't have, if you don't think that, that God intended to send his angel, knew what he was doing, was preventing Isaac from ever being killed, I think it's pretty offensive. Mm-hmm. I, think, yeah. I think he's... Uh, you know, I, I, we get so used to him and we can talk around it, but, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, thank goodness God had another way. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, to the onlooker again, who doesn't know much, you're right. Well, and look at his law. Like, the, the law that is, is revealed later is that you shall not kill. Right. But I, again, I think he, Abraham, too, at this point, I'm not diminishing the difficulties of it. Yeah. But, um, no, exactly, and, and, but I think God was asking him to show that he was willing to sacrifice his son, but he wasn't asking him to kill his son. Right. If that makes any sense, because if he was, he would be contradicting his own law. That's right, yeah. And he doesn't do that. So anyway, I, know, I, I get where the, the wrestling comes For from. For sure. It's pretty, pretty tough read. Well, even people, yeah, I'm surprised that, that that same guy breezed past Lot throwing his daughters out to the, to the men. Yeah. And maybe he was <laughs> skimmed that one too fast, but... Yeah, yeah, see, yeah, that's tough, too. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Well, this is, this is God-initiated, though, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly, exactly. And, and I think, at the same token, it, it is still God, with all of his attributes and intention here, like you say, like, he, he knows that he doesn't want humans to murder humans. It's evil, it's wicked. He's riding on all of his attributes here, his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, his faithfulness. And so I think all that Abraham knew 
he was in a sense like putting it putting all his hope as a k-god like i don't get it i don't get how this i don't get so, it but yeah, this exactly. is just you're gonna figure it out and and uh we'll read this i think again later but hebrews eleven nineteen is saying like abraham reasoned, so he's trying to piece it together right with limited blurry sight here abraham reasoned that if isaac died god was able to bring him back to life again so hebrews is testifying to he was mulling this over uh, that okay i know this isn't the dead end there's and, and then it continues to say and in a sense abraham did receive his son back from the dead mm-hmm. um, and, you know and then uh, i think it matters too that, that you know most of the translations when the angel comes in there's a big exclamation mark behind like don't <laughs> do it because this would that that, that wouldn't be mm-hmm. that wouldn't be good mm-hmm. right <laughs> yeah it yeah it's like we don't actually want this to happen um, uh, anyway, I, I, what I meant to say was that I understand where he. He's yeah, from. yeah, it's not uh, out to lunch. He wasn't not, out to not, lunch. Not entirely. Anyway. Yeah, I'm not sure if you had read the part before. You know that uh, uh, in Hebrews 11 it says, even though God had told them, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, so right. That kind of the thing. Okay, God has promised that. Through Isaac, so Isaac's gonna be, you know, and Isaac has not had a son yet. And no matter what happens <clears throat> up here on the mountain, somehow he's gonna do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that word that was there that you talked about the willingness was he willing to obey? Because in the, the he had given Adam and Eve a choice. And they chose to disobey. And now through his faith, is he willing to make that choice to obey what God has said? Mm-hmm. Because they didn't. Mm-hmm. And it's really comes to the crunch. Is he willing? Yeah, yeah. God's test. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we've talked about the, the 25 years and this, this huge test that this indeed was for Abraham and bringing that to sort of more ourselves, how, how do, are people that you know of or maybe know really well um, when there's testing that happens, have to wait for something, has to do a hard thing uh, by God? I mean, how, how do we respond today when tough things are asked of us um, from the Lord? Right. That's a good thing. And find out whatever situation you're in, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bible helps. That's perfect. Yeah, because you're not resting on your own thinking. You're yes, saying, exactly, Lord, what's yeah. what's your thinking? Thinking biblically. Yes, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Go. How long? Why? <laughs> how long? Why? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. I know I always feel like God has made me with very slow to turn wheels. Like when he changes a direction in my thinking or in my life or whatever. It's like I always have this vision that like my life is like one of those big like water wheel paddle wheels, you know. Yeah, it's got inertia. And so then when like it's like stop, it's like okay, hang on a second. Okay, we'll rebuild that. 
change direction. Okay, slowly get going. That's how I always feel. And uh, but I think that time for me expedites a little more sometimes when I'm, yeah, walking close. Yeah, walking close. Um, but I think, well, yeah. What is like? I want to ask you guys. What does that reveal as you process that thought for yourself personally? What does that reveal to you about you or about others? Because we don't struggle. <laughs> look at Abraham and Sarah like Abraham had this type of faith you know on that mountain but he I don't think he always did you know and it was kind of repeatedly having God um, uh, fulfill his his promises along the way right protect him and I guess bless him financially and whatever else that trusted that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, he, just in Genesis 20, he, he's deceiving about who his wife is. Yeah, not the, exactly. not only the first yeah, time. He's not, he's, not like, he's not utterly faithful. No, but, but the, <laughs> Without the, fail. The, uh, what's the word? There was like a progressive, you know, maturing. There. Exactly, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah, because it hasn't been this beautiful upwards trajectory with Abraham, right? It's sort of more been like the stock market. Like, it's sort of been this like up-down, but there has been, as we're seeing, I, I believe, and as we know, there's been an upward trajectory overall. But uh, as he's waned, God has come back and said, you know, clarified the covenant or clarified the promise a little further, honed in on it. Yeah, like he, he's been told the promise like how many times right. that we even know of in Scripture. Right. It wasn't just the one time. No. So, I mean, again, with this contrast, how do we respond when we're tested? What do we, what do we have to do when we're, I mean, Amel, like, hit the ball out of the park perfectly right there. But when, when we, yeah, when, uh, when we are tested and, and it's a hard one and, and we think wrongly, what do we do? What are we to do? Go to God's word in, in time and situation. Yeah. And pray. Pray, yeah, yeah. I mean, there is, I think even... <clears throat> The word shows it, you know, like First John one nine. There's there's even repentance yes, of the believer, right? right? Of yeah. so there is repentance and faith and and, mm-hmm. and trust that God is still gonna see it through, and you can still say, "I'm sorry for not seeing <laughs> seeing your attributes through this that you are faithful." Mm-hmm. So let's continue to look at more of the story as God tests and God provides. So. Um, <clears throat> 
So in this section, we'll be looking a little more at, at again, this acceptable substitute. Um, Abraham's trusting of God and, and a willingness to obey and, and, uh, and in this whole idea of a, of a substitute that, again, is going to be played forward so much in the scriptures. Um, could somebody read Genesis chapter 22, verses uh, 3 to 6? Early the next morning, Abraham got up and saddled his donkey. He took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. He said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. For the two of them went on together. Yeah, that's good. Hmm. How much time passed between uh, verses 2 and 3, do you think? Pardon? Less than a day. Because he gets up early the next morning. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I'm wondering here as, we, as we have a next question of how did Abraham demonstrate his total confidence in God to provide? That's, that's the first thing that my eyes are drawn to. You know, was it, was it like, oh, he, God had to you know, rake him over the coals for a little while or he had to rake himself over the coals for a little while or did he have to, was it a mind bender to get on board with what God was asking him to do? But yeah, no, right there, the next morning. Early the next morning. Yeah. Right, early. I might want to sleep in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like, I'm a little depressed. I'm, yeah, I'll do it today, but let me sleep. Let me have my last moment with my son, you know. No, he obeyed immediately and completely. Reminds me of how I ask my kids to obey. Immediately, completely, with a happy heart. (laughs) 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 We're working on it. Working on it. Uh, I'm trying to learn that lesson myself. Um, He took, he took uh, only what was necessary: the wood, fire, and a knife. And a knife, yeah. Um, And then, how long? did it take to go where God was telling him to go? I just saw that the third day, on the third day. Isn't that crazy? So yeah. again, it wasn't just like, here's my house, I'll go to the backyard, make an all, I make a, a burnt offering altar pile here and get at her. Three days of, I mean, it was immediate, early in the morning obedience, completely taking just what he needed, and then he had three days to be thinking about it, but he stuck to it for three days. Mm-hmm. And then he went to the place God told him to go to, and then, it's interesting, I, this always fascinated me too. Verse 5, Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told his servants. The boy and I will travel up a little farther. It says, we will worship there. And then, we, we will come back. Hmm. This account is powerful. Let's keep reading uh, you want to pick up a couple more verses there, Brett? Seven and eight, if you have a second. <clears throat> Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Abraham, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. The fire and wood are here, Isaac said. 
So where is the lamb of the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. Hmm. What uh, translation do you use? I'm curious. NIV. NIV, yeah. Okay. Yeah, NIV has the lamb. The NLT has sheep. I don't know what other versions. ESV maybe has sheep. Has lamb. ESV has lamb? I re- I'd like to know which it is. <laughs> uh, I haven't studied. Which one says sheep? Uh, e- NLT says sheep. Yeah. Because, um, yeah, we'll dig into that as we go here a bit. Um, so why did, Isaac, why did Isaac ask Abraham about the absent lamb? Do you think he was privy to something already, or what, what do you think was rolling through his head at this point? I think that was a natural question. If you're going to these burnt <laughs> yeah, I mean, you would think he's been around probably a few before. He's in his mid twenties. I'm sure he's participated in some sacrifices, mm-hmm. likely with a godly father, mm-hmm. um, that involved lambs or, or an animal. So he noticed, yeah, something's missing. Mm-hmm. Isn't that one of the most dramatic questions in all the Bible? <laughs> where's the lamb like he hmm. <laughs> yeah never thought it's like it. the shepherd and the sheep and and that one with the lost sheep right hmm. where's the lamb yeah the lost but, black sheep wandered astray and then and then, uh, and then the lord picked him up and put him in his arms the lost, hmm. and the, carried the, the sheep in his arms hmm. and third psalm hmm. or something like that. i forget how that went but what i was referring to is you know what would have been the first thought in Abraham's <clears throat> mind in hearing that question from his, his son? Hmm. <clears throat> but maybe after three days of walking, maybe Abraham <laughs> mentally prepared. Yeah, at some point, Isaac, he's a pretty bright boy. He's going to figure something out. That, <laughs> yeah, something yeah. something missing here. Yeah, something... Yeah, essential. But yeah, we have no no indication that he, Isaac knew that he was to be the sacrifice. I mean, yeah. everywhere so far, it's just God was speaking with Abraham, mm-hmm. and and we're not told how he was speaking with Abraham. If he was like you know, loud and audibly, and Abra- Isaac was near, there's no indication to that. Mm-hmm. I do wonder about that. Mm-hmm. Um, do we know? Like you said, he was twenty. Do we, where do we get that from? Um, that this is just like from from uh, Jewish scholars. It's kind of just an estimation that they have. It's not like okay. a hard number. They think that he was kind of in his mid twenties. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's potentially extra biblical. Like it's, yeah, 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 yeah. It's extra biblical. So yeah, he could have been younger for sure, or older. I think the sheep. It, it's. It, it sounds like it could be. It's like a, it means one of a flock. Okay. Maybe that's why they, mm. yeah. That's what I'm getting here. It only shows you so much on like the, the app. Oh, uh, okay. So let's just read this, this powerful part again, or this important part in verse 8 of 22. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son, Abraham answered. And they both walked on together. Mm-hmm. Why does Abraham say God himself will provide? Hmm. And to cover what they tried to do, that he sacrificed that 
and covereth thou. Mm-hmm. He didn't say come and, and put this covering on. He covereth us according to what's in the scripture. And this is saying God himself will, will do this. Mm-hmm. Is this also like God provides Isaac for Abraham and Sarah, right? Like, yeah, it's the same after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I, I, you know, I've read reading this when I was younger. I was thinking, I always thought Abraham just said what he needed to say to get to get uh, Isaac, Isaac keep, off his back. Keep, keep walking. Yeah, but, whatever it's gonna take. That's what ends up happening, though, right? God does provide the lamb or the ram, I guess. Mm-hmm. This is good stuff. I mean. Yeah, that that question of God Himself providing. I think yeah, it's he was he was probably thinking of everything that he's compiling all that he's seen and known so far, right? And just like we all do when we're presented with a challenge or or a test like this. And I mean, I think what it's revealing is, is that complete confidence in in his in his God, in our God, to provide what he's unable to do on his own. Again, that outward provision, right? Um, and yeah, I think he was also confessing. He's like, God's got, God's going to get us out of this somehow. God's going to provide, you know, whether it's a substitute or, or whether it's a resurrection or whether it's something I don't see with my limited human eyes. God knows that he had holy, or Abraham knows that God had a holy demand, a holy de- um, calling in a sense to Abraham at this time for a sacrifice. Um. Yeah, just total, total, complete confidence. It seems like. Then what happens next? Let's see this. This uh, from eleven. We'll pick up. Um, actually, sorry, not eleven. Um, verse nine. When they arrived at the place where God had told them to go, Abraham uh, built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Don't lay your hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by its horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his own son. So what just happened? <laughs> well, I have this picture, you know, you talk about, he said a boy. And so here's this man that ties up a 20-year-old, this, this obedient, like how many young men would let their father tie them up and put them on an altar? Literally, that Abraham was old. Right, <laughs> yes. right. Yes. Yeah. Wouldn't have been a fair fight. Yeah. But they say a boy, and I mean, that's, it's a young man who us. Yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, wouldn't there be a fight? I would think so. So what do you, what do you see in that? Why, why wasn't there a fight? Or The obedience, the trust that Isaac had even in his father. That, um, the obedience to... And the faith that 
Abraham had, but that young man had to trust his father too. Mm. Do you think it stopped there, just his father? Uh, no, but but in that sense. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there was a, a respect deeply rooted in his thinking and his culture. Do you think it went beyond Isaac's trust? Do you think it went beyond his father? Uh, yeah. Like his earthly father. Um, you know, I can't help but think we, we look at the, the, the request and we think, you know, we think I, Abraham must have been thinking that somehow, despite this really crazy thing that God told him to do, he was going to make it work. But I wonder whether Abraham and Isaac thought mm. by doing this, somehow this promise is going to be fulfilled hmm. right like they they didn't they weren't they didn't have anything yeah else they to weren't given god's chronicles but they must have thought listen god just promised this thing isaac you're going to become the 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 whatever of many nations just like i am he's asked us to do this really crazy thing maybe somehow through this he's going to make that happen mm-hmm. that's what i mean just putting myself in their shoes I would have been just as likely to think that mm-hmm. as even though God's asked me to do this really wild thing, he can still make it work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he already made a miracle happen in his life. Yeah, and that somehow I by by doing this thing, he was going to fulfill what he told me he was going to do. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong in where he might have taken those thoughts. Like like, know, like he wasn't cuz we hold the rest of the scriptures which is all of this. And we know he he yeah, he, like he didn't know to look not to look at it through the eyes of us. <laughs> of, of a son that was God's son who died yeah. and rose up on the third day and all of that. Totally, stuff, right? totally. Mm-hmm. It is difficult, yeah. yeah. That he would be the deliverer that God had promised back then. Mm-hmm. Deliverer, Yeah, he didn't know how many years were going to come go yet, pass under before the fulfillment yeah. of the scriptures would come through. Mm-hmm. No, for sure. It's speculative, but it's just, again and again, we see there's this confidence, whatever it is. Whatever, like you're right, we have limited sight. Abraham had limited sight. He was no different in that sense than we are. Um, he was just walking in obedience. I mean, so here at this point in time, Isaac was as good as dead. His, uh, his father had him bound, the knife drawn. And, and the, yeah, we get this explanation. <laughs> Abraham, Abraham, whoa, stop. You passed. <laughs> It was it, this whole, you know, and then it says um, the ram caught up. He looked up and there was a ram uh, caught by its thorns in a thicket. Something again outside of Abraham or Isaac. A substitute, an acceptable substitute provided by God. Um, I don't know if it would help reinforce the story for you or not, but I, so tell me one way or the other, but if you want, if you want to see a visual of what we of this story, I got like a seven, eight, nine, I can't remember minute video. Do you guys want? Would you like to see that? Mm, sure. Or do you want to keep it rolling? Take a popular vote. These actually really help. You want to yeah, see that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let Let's see if it'll see. If, and if you got it's seven minutes, just over mm. seven minutes. I'm hoping this will. Will the sound? Um, one second. Where's the white remote control? 
Put it on the table there, right behind. Maybe get the sound going here. I think it's, I gotta do settings. See, on the computer, I have to like choose it to force it through the TV, the sound. Does sound not transmit on an, like through an iPad HDMI cable? Because I had this issue with the projector as well. I thought it was just the projector thing. Home screen, dock display, control center in general. That's unfortunate. Oh, it has like another plug-in, but I don't know. I think that's more to run another lightning cable. Ah, how can I do this? Can you show the that and have the audio on your iPad? Is it loud enough? I'd have to unplug it, I think, in order to. <laughs> Hang on a second. No, I can't do. Oh, maybe I can do the phone here as well. Okay, I'm gonna try some Jerry rigging here. Uh, da -da -da. Mingle, mingle among yourselves for the moment. <laughs> I've been doing the Bible project, you know, they, um, the little videos that, that they've been going through the Genesis and that, and it's really helpful. Yeah, mm -hmm. it is good, isn't it? If I can get it to play through this, then I'll be able to do one sound and then the other picture. Oh, this is gonna take too long. Well, why don't I just play? <laughs> yeah, just I just gotta unplug it, and you guys can watch it uh, on the iPad. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know if you guys can kind of ish. Don't fail me now. Come on now. What are you doing? Well, Forget it. <laughs> yeah, maybe we can show it. Maybe I'll, I'll preview it next week. Uh, yeah. The link? Um, one second. It's, uh, it's a particular, it's not just like one of the, uh, like I have to tell us die. It's it's not that. It is. Uh, you can find it on YouTube. Even I could try and send you guys a link. God provides Abraham and Isaac is the title. Um, so the video is called God provides. Released in two thousand nine.
Dean Jones is Abraham. Whoever Dean Jones is. God provides Abraham and Isaac. It's really quite good though, like uh, watching this and um, I wa I, there, there are a few extra biblical assumptions made. <laughs> Um, like, what, what did I see? Uh, there is one point when he does pull away and, uh, and then, oh, what did Abraham say? Anyways, you'll have to kind of, there's a couple little things. It's like, well, that's like interpretation, mm -hmm. but, uh, overall it just kind of gets, gets the picture going. And I mean, that boy isn't 20 there. I don't think he looks like more like a 14 year old or something, but, uh, yeah. But yeah, you can see, even still at 14, I'm sure he wouldn't have trouble overthrowing Pops there. Um, so, I mean, this whole event is displaying how God is going to, God will miraculously intervene, provide uh, his own acceptable substitute of a deliverer to all mankind. You guys, I mean, I know we know the rest of the scriptures, but was Abraham correct in his assumption? Could God provide an acceptable substitute to meet his holy demands? Yeah. Totally. Oh, I see. He just pulled away there. Yeah. He's saying no. And maybe that happened. <laughs> on, on some level, initially. But uh, there he kind of encourages him like, Father, why? No way. <laughs> I have to sacrifice my only son myself. Yeah. Okay, kids, come on, focus. <laughs> so here Abraham's faced with an impossible situation. He had to look where? In himself? His own ideas and thinking or outside of himself? For the provision. Yeah, outside to God, exactly. God was to provide. And, and so we too, whether it's, it's uh, difficult situations or impossible situations with, with our own lives, we too are required to look outside of ourselves to God uh, to provide, whatever it may be. Um, yeah, I guess moving to that ne next point of talking about the lamb, that always kind of fascinated me, like how some translations do in fact have lamb there, and, and God provides a ram. And uh, my mind jumps to John the Baptist, like, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Abraham, I don't know if this is me overlaying a ton of stuff. Yes, it is. Um, but he's, he's saying God will provide a lamb. So he's already thinking like a substitute lamb, you know, he's already part of some sacrificial understanding. Uh, God provides a ram. So the lamb still hasn't come to completely uh, deal with their sin at this point. There, there's still a, just a covering. Mm -hmm. just, there's still a forbearance that, that's uh, by their obedience and faithfulness. Um, yeah. So I think as Isaac, as Judy, you're saying too, like Isaac could have, likely fought against his dad and won. Um, 
I hope I'm not looking too far into scripture here, but or, or in between the lines here, so to speak. But I think that Isaac did get on the altar and was bound. Um, was it was a level of evidence of submitting to to what God what God had told his father and what he was um, understanding through his father. And so, I hope it's safe to say that I think Isaac recognized that he too existed for God, um, submitting himself to what God was asking his father to do. Isaac agreed with, with God that judgment, in a sense, maybe was right, because he was getting on the altar. I mean, he too was a sinner. Um, he was helpless. <laughs> he too was probably scratching it. You know, how is this going to come together? There's no way out. This is what I'm asked to, this is what I'm asked to be done. I need, I need God to intervene. And so I think he was employing uh, some faith to God to provide in some way or another. I don't know that he thought he was going to get unbound and taken down, mm-hmm. but, but some way. I'm sure he knew that he was the promised you know, son of the line of, in the line of the deliverer. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, it just strikes me that that is, he submitted in faith, just like we need to submit to Jesus the Lamb of God in faith as yeah. you know Abraham had but that was a turning point for him mm-hmm. to actually submit himself to being sacrificed to mm-hmm. the dying that's where my thinking goes and again it's not a hill I'm going to die on but um, it seems like Isaac displayed I mean he obeyed what was to be done he did do what was asked of him um yeah. yeah, I'm up for discussion on that. If if people have other thoughts or, um, either way, both of them here were were, were submitting their own thinking, submitting um, what maybe they thought could be the resolution or the the, the way out or whatever. Um, and as we bring that to ourselves, and we ask, why does God require humility? you know, repentance and faith in our lives for him to accept us. First John 1 John 1.9? Right? That's speaking to believers at that point yes. in time. Yeah. But does God want us to be looking to ourselves to, no. to provide the way, to provide the sacrifice, to provide the, the covering of sin? Or does he think he wants us to be looking to him? Looking to him. Yeah. Yeah. Can anybody who's a sinner, provide a perfect covering? No. Or can God alone, who is God holy? Alone yeah. yeah. I mean, God, God is holy. God is almighty. He alone can provide the perfect covering, the perfect um, sacrifice. And so, um, again, I think this, we can reinforce this for ourselves too. I mean, again, we're in, we're in New Testament times here. We're not in, in Old Testament times. But why do you guys think... Um, Many people today don't think we need a substitute, that there doesn't need to be anyone to um, cover us or blockade us or uh, hold back anything from us. Why do you think people think this today? Wanting to cover themselves. There's many ways to God, and yet God said that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. And we want to accept that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a there's a pride still that's very strong in that you know un- unwillingness to to accept the truth. 
I know it's very dogmatic <coughs> sounding, but you know, the, the authority of the word, how it's laid out. I think it's offensive to, to most people the idea that some one person's uh, sin or otherwise could be attributed to another. Mm -hmm. but, uh, uh, it seems unfair. You know, first of all, it seems unfair that Adam's sin could somehow have an effect on us, but it seems fair, unfair as well that somehow we could be uh, forgiven because of something somebody else did. Mm -hmm. Could that be another plug for how we could say that grace isn't something that's uh, or born in humans or originating from human thinking? <laughs> grace is a hard concept because we want to earn it. We want to merit that we've done something right, that we've had a contribution, that we've uh, just, yeah, we were favored or we did something better or we were um, to have that, to have our, earn our way to somewhere's better. Yeah, I think it's true even in, in, in you know, Christian circles that, that believe um, the doctrines uh, that, you know, total depravity and things like that. I still think it's this, it's, still think it's this thing that is uh, just a little bit in every Christian mm -hmm. that there's this hope that, you know, I wish it was that God saw something in me or I wish it was mm -hmm. that, that there was some, you know, I think there's just this natural desire mm -hmm. to to be the one who. That's why when people say Christianity is wishful thinking, I just think that's crazy because mm -hmm. nobody right. wishes it. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody wishes that God would save them. They wish that they could do it themselves. Yeah. Well, as sinners, we love we love darkness and yeah, but yeah. Take the acknowledgement that you're helpless. Just people don't like to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's why why are self help books so popular today, right? And then also the deception of Satan that he really did come to destroy mm -hmm. what God had created, and he, he's the father of lies, as it says exactly. in there. He's the father of lies, and, yeah. and he blinds us to mm -hmm. what the truth is. Mm -hmm. He'll yeah. do anything to mm -hmm. deceive us, even just that you know, just a couple of words off. Mm -hmm. I, I've even heard people too, like step, taking one step back of this whole, why would I need a substitute? People that like, so some people think they can earn themselves to a certain place, but some people don't even want to acknowledge that, that there's something that needs to be righted. That I, I've had people say that to me before, like what, what in my life do I need forgiving? If I offend another human, yeah, okay, I'll ask for, you know, your forgiveness of it. If I've lied or cheated you or stole from you. But beyond that, why would anybody need to forgive me of what? That, so then again, what's the need of substitute in that, in that worldview? Yeah. Again, you can't, you can't overlay the biblical worldview beside another worldview without dismantling the other worldview. Otherwise, again, you have these two opposites coexisting that are incompatible. You have to lay the foundations that they understand why we need a substitute. <clears throat> Yeah, so only God can provide a suitable, acceptable substitute, uh, just as he did with Adam and Eve, uh, and just as he does here, and, and just as he does for us, to rescue me from sin, Satan, and darkness, and, and the lake of fire. We are helpless, utterly. Um, so in the third part, the substitute and the deliverer, as God tests and God provides, um, let's just see how this is continually pointing forward. We'll compare Isaac with us, and all of humanity for that matter, and... Uh, 
and this whole ram sheep as a foreshadowing. Let's read Genesis uh, chapter 22, verses 10 to 13. I know we read that just to keep us kind of going forward here. I just want to keep it fresh. We've had a lot of talking here, um, which is good. It says, And Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. At that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Yes, Abraham replied, Here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy, the angel said. Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know you truly fear God. You have not withheld even your from me, even your son, your only son. Then Abraham looked up and saw a ram, so that's the part we're focusing on, mm-hmm. caught by its thorns in a thicket. So he went and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in a place of his son. And Abraham named that place Yahweh, how do you say that? Yure, which yeah. means... It says Jehovah. That's how I always thought it, Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> yeah, which means the Lord will provide. provide that's yeah. the emphasis. Yeah. The Lord, the mountain... On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Yahweh is the Hebrew with the letters. Like the breathing of it, hey? Like, yes. Yeah. So that's what Yahweh means. Mm. Come on in. <laughs> um, so Isaac didn't die. Because? God provided the substitute. Because God provided, yeah. He was faithful to his promise. And Abraham was faithfully obeying, and God, because God is God, and all of his attributes, faithful, true as promise, unbreakable. Um, yeah, he came through. Um, and again, I think from Isaac's actions, it seemed that, that he also trusted God, indica- indicating a, a practical level of faith and repentance. And so, unless someone's going to shoot me, I would, uh, where did I put it? Do you see a straw around under me somewhere? I would use a straw on, uh, on Isaac's, maybe it's under my bag, well I did have it, oh there it is, I would use a straw here at this point to cover over, <laughs> my little blow dart technique, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to cover over Isaac's uh, sin debt. Again, it's not dealt with, his sin. His sin is uh, still there. He still mm-hmm. sins. Mm-hmm. But uh, as far as I, I believe God at this point viewed Isaac, um, I would put a covering over his sin debt. Yeah. Um, just, from the, just from what we've seen so far. You can disagree. Um, I, I won't, I won't uh, cry. Um, but that's kind of where I have it. <laughs> um, God commanded Abraham to sacrifice Isaac, and so there was, there was to be death. But instead of Isaac dying, of course, we see here that God provided a ram, and this key term as a substitute, as, as his substitute. Um, again, this idea outside of, outside of them, this was our gracious God, the same God we have today. There was no merit in Isaac. Isaac, again, hadn't earned. He was just there. He was as good as dead, as we'd said. God provided a gift solely originating within God, Isaac contributed, contributed nothing. Isaac didn't earn anything. His merit didn't earn him, you know, favor with God in the sense that God would provide a ram. And, and in return, he also didn't owe anything in a sense. God, this was God's goodness coming through, his, his promise of the deliverer. As Isaac was completely bound and helpless, you guys take that to your world sometimes, how we are bound and helpless, mm-hmm. as yeah. born as sinners in Adam as well. What, bound, what, what binds us? 
I'm not talking specific specific details here, but what binds us? Evil. Yeah. Backing up even more. Sometimes unforgiveness, or sometimes unforgiveness, or. Yeah, our, I heard it. Yeah. yeah. Our sin nature, which yeah. leads to further sin. Yeah. yeah, and that that involves us employing, you know, Satan and darkness in our lives. As Isaac was under the sentence of death by God, how are we under that same born under that same sentence? What's the what's this principle going all the way through the word, all the way through history and present time? What is this sentence? Yeah. Yeah. Sin. Right. Yeah, that's that's what it earns us. Death in the lake of fire. Exactly. Born with a sin nature, we have a sin debt against God right from the start. And so God's death sentence rests on us too because our sin is against Him. So let's, let's consider this story in the context of earlier stories that we've already learned from up to this point, or one in particular. Um, what was Adam and Eve's judgment for eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Right, yeah. Separation from that perfect relationship, that, that, that harmonious, awesome, tight relationship, which meant death, their spiritual death, cut off. And then physical, physically, they are now dying. Um, remember how God defines death? Um, I think I have, yeah. In James... Uh, I just quickly grabbed a couple references. I'm sure there's more. There could even be better ones. But James 2.26, um, it says the body is dead without breath. And in Genesis 3.19, it talks of, you know, from dust to dust, dust you will return. Um, what was that in James? James uh, 2.26. 2.26. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and so I have here, you know, this isn't this isn't infallible scripture here, but the meaning of death. A sinner is forever separated from his source of abundant life in God, and two forms of death, so to speak. Um, the death of the body, which uh, releases his spirit and soul to leave, so that's physical death, and then death of the spirit and soul, which which leaves and is forever separated from God in a place of eternal torment. Um, so. We have this cutoff, this separation from a perfect relationship with God, as we remember back in Adam and Eve, and then going forward into every sinner. Um, there's a record against each and every one of us. We have the. Uh, it's a little more clunky doing it this way, but this whole death record for all of us means uh, if you're born in Adam, you're cut off from God. Your sin is against God. You're ruled by your sin in all of life. You rely on your own abilities and your own thinking and your pride. Ruled by shame and fear, you were talking, Judy. Um, ruled by pride and refusal to admit your sin. Enemies of God, as sa- same as Satan is. A lot, oftentimes people just think there's a middle ground, that you're not that. You're not all the way over there with Satan, if there is a Satan. Um, ruled by King Satan, little, little K, King Satan, who seeks to destroy them. A sin dead against God and under his wrath. Bodies are dying. Spirit and soul will go to the lake of fire forever and under the active curse punishment of God. So that, that's how I understand God's word to, to define death. Um, 
And this is the record uh, that we have um, for, for Isaac, for, for Abraham, without that covering. If they're to be accepted by God, um, they, of course, had to come his way, which is by faith. Could they, like Cain, come about their own way? Could they figure it out on their own? No. What happened, what happened to Cain? Got killed. He was rejected. Yeah, he was, he was rejected. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he was rejected. He had, he had fruit. He had fruit instead of the the, the covering. Huh? Right. <clears throat> yeah. So, so you can't. He was relying on coming to God his own way. Isaac and Abraham and Sarah came to God by faith and trusting um, in God's provision. So again, the thinking was outside themselves, and, and this is what it led to, this life in God. Um, in relationship with God forever, God covering their sin and declaring them as holy, God being their strength, God setting them free from sin and shame and fear, God leading them towards humility, admitting their sin, no longer an enemy of his, of, no longer an enemy of God, accepted by God who sets them free from King Satan and their sin debt with God and his wrath and from his wrath are covered. So, of course, their bodies um, will still die, uh, but they will, will receive a new perfect one. We haven't looked at the scriptures for that yet. Um, and then their soul and spirit will dwell in paradise with God. Mm-hmm. They're under the blessing of God now and forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so this story, as, as we see these, the truths of death and then life, uh, we've been seeing this repeat over and over in the scriptures with many of the... the Old Testament saints, Adam and Eve, um, Abel, Seth, Enoch and Noah, and these other guys going forward. Um, these guys were all looking forward to, to a substitute, to one who would stand in their place, just as the ram for Isaac stood in his place, uh, quite literally. Um, it, for his, uh, I mean, it's literal for all of us, but how would you say that? <laughs> Very acute for him. He was right there. Um, so, although it's not directly taught in this story, the idea of, of a substitute dying on behalf of another becomes an important understanding for us as we continue forward in the Word of what the deliverer is going to do for, for us, what he's done for us, what he was going to do for all of humanity, um, which humanity deserved death and punishment um, and eternal death, separation from God and lake of fire. So, this image of substitute is a foreshadowing. Foreshadowing of what the deliverer will do. And we'll continue to learn more of that as we go forward in God's word. So sadly, of course, in, as we see, we've seen through history, we see around us even today in Satan's attempts to steal, kill, and destroy uh, those he rules. He tries to deceive us with, with a lot of other options of replacing a potential deliverer or believing you don't need a deliverer or a substitute. Um, and they may even declare, some people may even say that what they're doing is from God. What, it is a substitute that God approves, but... Um, I think a lot of us can even think of cases where that, that's happened. You know, someone being told there's a false deliverer or a false, you know, counterfeit um, deliverer. I want to ask you guys a bit on that. What, what, are, what do you guys see around us today that people um, rely on as counterfeit deliverers? Jehovah's Witnesses have a counterfeit Jesus, don't they? That's right, yeah. On the stake, hands up like this here. Oh, okay. No, huh. That's not right. Eh? Interesting. I, I don't think that's right. Eh? In some, <coughs> I'm not sure if it's Brazil, but 
when it comes to <coughs> Good Friday, they'll actually have people who will allow themselves yeah. to be crucified. <laughs> Weird. And, yeah. and so, to, you know, you, you know it's, it's, it's almost like they don't see what Jesus uh, did as it as being finished. They still need to take that on themselves. Mm -hmm. And in, in some First Nation groups, <laughs> too, they will kind of... Uh, tie themselves to a pole with, with two um, slits in their chest and stuff like that, put uh, some leather through there, and keep tugging until that breaks through. And, and I think in some, in some way they feel that somehow they're accomplishing something spiritual that will um, help them find acceptance hmm. with concept of the creator yeah crazy appeasing or whatever what else you guys know of out there is counterfeit deliverers the mormons the mormons are counterfeit hmm. right yeah i believe that they they don't preach the same no. jesus that we know no, what's that kaylee just like good works like i can earn my own way Yeah, old and good person and be good enough and yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's right. It's going back to some people say, Well, my parents were Christians. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A simple symbol of the Catholicism that Christ is still on the cross. Mm, yeah. Just an image on the cross. Mm. Graven image. Yeah. Yeah. Catholic Church, yeah. Right, yeah, exactly, yeah. Thinking <coughs> that that's one of the check boxes to be approved. <coughs> taking taking communion or mm -hmm. confessing your sins to somebody or mm -hmm. that that's all part of the magic formula mm -hmm. to be to be delivered that is your again you're relying on you delivering yourself because you've done something you this may be real left field but for some reason the movie avatar came to mind in that you know they kind of were worshiping mother earth and we somehow get our eyes off of big uh, business trying to exploit the earth and really uh, respect the earth and uh, respect the environment that that somehow there's going to be a um, a deliverance that mm. yeah that somehow honoring nature if we can figure it out just right that that, uh, that, that will deliver us mm. yeah Related to that, I'd say, you know, these political um, heroes like Mao and Hitler would be one or whatever, that, that they would somehow change society and, and, uh, and make it right. Yeah. And there's no notion, I guess, of, of, of wiping out your sins, but there's a notion of taking this thing that's not right and making it right. Yeah. Yeah, more. And some, and some people do think their their political party gets in and somehow yeah, 
It's more humanistic life thinking. Is, life is going to be better. Yeah. Totally. Um, I think as we, as a few people sort of touched on like other religions and, and I uh, wanted to show this as kind of a bit of a litmus test or um, this little test, testing religion. Because I think if, if you have a substitute that's stepping in place of, of the only one that can be a proper substitute, the only substitute for, for our sins, I thought this is kind of a cool thing to read to you guys tonight. Uh, testing religion. Um, does it acknowledge God's holiness in our sin? Does it lead to humility? Does it rest on God reaching out to us? Does it come empty-handed? Does it rest entirely on God's provision outside of us? Does it take us uh, just to God's word? In other words, not to like other more stuff. Um, does it elevate God's deliver only? Or does it also elevate something else on top of that? Uh, or does it draw in selfless love? Or does it have ulterior motives, you know, financial gain or what have you? So just, I thought that was kind of like handy just to, again, a lot of other religions like the Jehovah Witness, the Mormons. Um, Catholics. Yeah. yeah, it really can. Confuse you. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't and, come and empty. And I mean, I think they can go through Mary. It's only through the cross we can go to. And they always pay rosary beads under repetitious prayers, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's on and on forever, you know what I mean? So it means we think of all these counterfeit substitutes. <clears throat> do they bring any assurance? Do they, no. do they... I mean, you can hope in it, but, but I mean, it's, it can't save you. That, that's, it's kind of this, like this pipe that just, you hope and you don't see the end. You don't know. Um, no, I, I was just thinking too, we, when we say like the Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Catholics, we can include all religions. Mm. You're right. Yeah. Whatever faith. Yeah. Is it a faith or is yeah. it our religion? Ritual. You mentioned ritual. Folk evangelicalism. I, you know? No, we can't judge. We're not supposed to judge. One of our religions. Yeah. Jesus, we got to go. So. I think we can judge the false religions, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we can judge one another. Yeah. We can't judge one another. No. It's only Jesus that counts, right? Well, uh, Jesus judges people, yeah, but we're, we're called to judge, uh, to discern. Discern. Yeah, discern. Yeah. 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 Judgment about all. Yeah. That's yes, why God has given us His word to, to, to test. For us to yeah. be able to not only check out others but check yes. our own beliefs and stuff. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Line up more well, with God's truth. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So as we just kind of wrap up here a bit, this point. Uh, so we mentioned religion. We mentioned ourselves, good deeds. Uh, we mentioned um, like these kind of weird spirits you were talking about in Brazil. I mean, people think of like money will deliver them, fame will deliver them, politics will deliver them. <clears throat> Who are these looking to? Man. Man. Yeah. The create the man, created man. humans. And God or man in the Bible says, right? It, it's looking to people. Looking to people, yeah. And uh, so they're telling us to hope in ourselves, in our own thinking. So far, what we've seen in the word, where does that lead people? Every time someone in the word is up to this point has relied on their own thinking, where has that led them? Death. Total yeah. death. Yeah. We don't see a case yet, uh, with Cain, uh, with, uh, help me out here, um, who are the prominent ones we've looked at? Yeah, but just up to this point in the word, just, uh, I mean, all of, all of Noah's people around them, you know, like, Babel, thank you. They, yeah, Sodom and Gomorrah, uh, where it didn't get them anywhere. We saw a very, very visible 
uh, outpouring of God's wrath, mm -hmm. God's judgment. Mm -hmm. God, God, I believe, gives um, allowance for each person to put their faith in family, finances, works, or Him. I mean, you can keep adding to that first list there. I mean, people who don't put their, their, their hope and trust in, in Him alone, sometimes it kind of has this appearance, this veneer of working out for a time, uh, but only for a time. And in the end, it fails them. When, when death comes, it fails. And it's only humbly putting, putting our faith and trust in the true deliverer uh, is the only choice that will not fail us. So, some of those contrast points we had tonight, we asked, um, how do people respond when they're tested? Um, it kind of can reveal a, a lack of the full countenance of the word of knowing who our Lord is. Um, and there's, there's got to be a repentance and faith in that too, of, or a repentance, saying, saying, I'm sorry, you know, I was wrong, God. I, I, didn't, I was short-sighted in, in all of who you are. And look to the word, as Amos was saying so well, yeah. to be taught. Mm -hmm. And the second point we were talking about uh, why people don't think they need a substitute or, you know, they need any kind of covering or atoning for. We haven't touched on that word yet, but or a need to be rescued or provided for. Um, but again, it all, it all goes to human thinking. It goes to my thinking of who I think I am, not looking to the one who was there before the beginning of time, who then wrote this all as our, as our source of authority. And then the third point that we just did there, um, counterfeit delivers. What hope does it give? There's no, there's no promise of any hope in counterfeit delivers. And we see, we see a, a testimony again and again and again. People try, fail, try, fail, try, fail, try, fail. It's only God's way. Uh, repentance and faith coming His way, one way only in the, in the deliverer that will rescue us. So there you go. We have the story of God tests and God provides. Uh, Abraham chose to obey. God provided the acceptable substitute. And, uh, and then we talked about the substitute and how that was a foreshadowing of, of the deliverer to come. And so here Abraham had waited a long time, 25 some years, had his son of promise. And then the son of promise submitted on some level to get on the altar to be sacrificed. And then God pulls out this acceptable offering, the ram stuck in the thicket. So it was this huge test. But we see in, in Abraham's verbiage along the way, we will come back, you know, and God will provide. We see this again and again. And in Hebrews there where it says that uh, he, he, he reasoned that, you know, God would bring him back from the dead. And in a sense, he did. Um, and then how this, this substitute, for, uh, Isaac's substitute, this ram, is a, is a foreshadowing of the promise to deliver to come yet in the word as we continue down this path together. Um, so pretty amazing to see the degree of relationship and trust that Abraham had, hey? Mm -hmm. And I mean, for that matter, Sarah and Isaac, too. Um, they obeyed God as God tested, and God came through. He is, he is faithful to his promise as he provided. And we can take that to us today. We face trials. We face tests. We've all, I'm sure, been there at least once. <laughs> and our enemy wants us to believe that God isn't enough, that he will fail us to to put our reliance on our thinking, on what we can do to, to get through. Um, but yet God continues to call us through his word to believe as we hear his truth, as we're studying. Apply it, trust him by faith. 
Um, as we hear, I, I thought it was interesting. I was just pulled up here. Uh, Romans, in Romans 11, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. And so here we are, we're reading the living word. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and faith comes by hearing this, by hearing yes. the truth. Mm -hmm. and, and so these other things, if you're depending on family finances, you know, a priest, uh, your actions, your good deeds or whatever, it's going to fail us. Mm -hmm. Putting our faith in the, in the true deliverer is the only choice that will not fail. Mm -hmm. um, so again, we, we have this choice to repent of our sin, our lies, our counterfeit delivers, and put our faith in God as Abraham and Isaac did. And so then that's a challenge for all of us. Is that what we do? Is that what you've done? Mm -hmm. Reject all the other voices. Choose to respond in repentance and faith to what God has offered because he alone is the loving owner, the rightful owner, the rightful ruler, um, the just one, the holy one, the source of life. God is the one who provides the perfect, acceptable substitute and everything and God tested in this case, and he came through as trustworthy. You guys have any questions? Where was that Romans reference? Uh, Romans 11. I didn't write the verse down. No problem, yeah. <laughs> All of Romans 11. Right? But yeah. 11 or 10? Oh, did I, was it 10? Might have been 10, actually. Yeah. Thank you, yeah. yeah. There we go, 1017. Got her. I'll close this in prayer and then, yeah, hang out. Lord, thank you for uh, the truths you have made clear tonight, I hope. <laughs> God, I just pray that you would solidify these in each of our hearts, that... Uh, it would go the distance with us, Lord, as we, as we learn of your word, as we learn more of who you are. God, you are the great provider. Lord, you, I believe, allow us the freedom to, to look to ourselves to provide. But Lord, you warn us. There's warnings throughout your word. We're seeing it that, that you ask us. You, you call us to come uh, your way, uh, the one and only way, through your deliverer by faith and repentance. And, and so, God, we just thank you for uh, the truth and clarity of your word. Lord, help us to be impacted in such a way that it spills over to those around us, Lord. Uh, just continue to open our eyes uh, to those we can be discipling around us, uh, within our homes and, and without, that we would continue to see your truth go forward as we are a light up here in Whitehorse. And uh, yeah, God, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.